Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, who would strike the most fear in your heart if they showed up at your house unannounced? Katie Porter. Okay. Oh! I have a list. I have a list. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. You get to pick. Or you you can offer a freestyle suggestion. Uh, New York Attorney General Tish James, option one. Ronan Farrow, option two. Or the Weather Channel's Jim Cantore with a camera crew? I I think Tish. <laughs> I think Tish James. I think that's the correct answer. All of these, all of your options, I would need to know if I was a target or a witness. <laughs> well, if you're Jim Cantore's tar- witness, that's not great either. Not, no, no, none of your options are good. <laughs> um, yeah, I would probably say Tish. I'd be like, what are you doing in Los Angeles? <laughs> this must be serious. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> we had a show this week that I think ran the gamut, wouldn't you say? Soup to nuts. Terrifying to, nuts. to belly aching funny. Exactly. Um, so this was the first time we got to have Zarna Garg on the show. Zarna is a super funny comedian. You've probably seen her TikToks or on Instagram reels. She is a just treasure. A treasure. Super hilarious. We've been trying to get her on the show. We've been playing kind of like schedule Jenga for a while. And Mm -hmm. we finally got her. And she does not disappoint. Absolutely adore her. She's super funny and great. Um, We have an interview with Shannon Watts. Yep. Shannon Watts uh, helping us understand how white women can be doing better in the fight against guns. Yes, indeed. And then Julissa Arce joins us for the personal political conversation. She's always a delight. We also talk like about some state-by-state news this week. We get into what's going on in Pennsylvania. We got it's hot Ohio. in the Midwest again. Hot in the Midwest. Hot in the Midwest. We got Iowa. We got Michigan. Indiana. Indiana. Pennsylvania. Yeah. 
Pennsylvania. Yeah, we, we're, we're covering the news that, that's going on in different states when it comes to abortion restriction, important elections that are coming up, and some weaselly legislation from some Republicans who are scared of how bad their ideas are. And how safe gonna... to say we are not a coastal podcast. No, no, not at all. Even though we are both on the coasts, yeah. somehow our hearts are in the middle. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast to listen to on your daily hot girl walk or furious instrument of revenge jog or <laughs> liberated heroin escalator ride. <laughs> I'm into that. Give me that liberated heroin. <laughs> Everyone escalator ride. Yeah, you're going into an airport or a train station and you're on your way to the next step and there's an upbeat, upbeat song playing and we know that whatever's happening is good. You're free. Feels feels very Mary Tyler Moorish. <laughs> totally Mary Tyler Moore. Um I was I was gonna put another I was gonna put a fourth beat in there about like frustrated and confused running down the wrong escalator ride. <laughs> But it was I couldn't figure out a way to say it smoothly. This is a little behind the scenes for our listeners. About there my, you go. This is how process, we do it. My process. <laughs> okay. Um, so as our listeners know, we talk about this all the time. The states are where the heat is when it comes to abortion rights. The states are where the important battles are taking place. Uh, you know, some people would call it state-by-state state chaos that was unleashed by the Dobbs decision. Um, and, and some would say that we were that, that people were warned that this would happen, and, and we would say that the people who were warning you were right because we were among them. Um, <laughs> but we're going to give you a quick update of, of some of developments in, in some states. So Pennsylvania is actually a low-key next mm -hmm. battleground for abortion rights. So there is an important election this November in the Keystone State. A seat on the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court is up for grabs in November. And a Democrat who's vowed to protect women's reproductive rights is running, running against a Republican who promised to defend all life under the law. Hmm. All life, hmm. you say. Interesting. What life, Erin? What life? All lives, life? All li you mean like the lives of so like ad adults who don't want to get shot by guns, you mean like children? Not who, that life. What not about like life. what about like poor people who want access to health care? Oh, not that life either. What about like endangered species um, that are being eradicated because of of pollution and, and human uh, mm, irresponsible? Aaron, human they want to mount those guys on their walls. Oh, hmm. Mm -hmm. That's weird. All, all is a strange choice of words. It's just a little. It's a smidge. Yeah, it's a, it's a little it's fucking weasels. Okay, so the, the control of the state Supreme Court isn't at stake in Pennsylvania, but in 2025, there are three Democrats on the court that are up for re-election. So that's going to be a huge year, and it's strategically mm -hmm. very important for a Democrat to win that seat in the Pennsylvania state Supreme Court this year to preserve abortion access uh, in the, for the long term for people in the state. Um, a lot of money is going to be spent on this race. Yep. De Democrats are feeling pretty good about their chances after the shellacking in Wisconsin, Ohio, Kansas, and all of the elections where abortion has been a winning issue. So a lot of money is going to be spent on this race. We will be paying attention to it. And uh, although it is not as like immediately dire as the Wisconsin race, it is super, super important. So yep. check back with us periodically. We will update you on that. And Aaron? August mm -hmm. fuckery, it's still August, and the Republicans aren't done. 
Ohio, a couple weeks ago, we talked about issue one that was on the ballot. Well, abortion rights supporters in Ohio are now suing state officials over ballot language they approved for proposed constitutional amendment that would enshrine abortion rights into the state constitution. Aaron, Ohio officials added the term, quote, unborn child in what is the latest front in the ongoing effort to protect abortion access in the state. The lawsuit from Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights and five voters was filed Monday after the five-member Ohio ballot board adopted new language for the ballot measure that will be before voters in the November general election. So, Aaron, here's where we are. The citizen-initiated amendment known as Issue 1 would establish, quote, the right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety. What is the shady board doing? The board adopted language drafted by GOP Secretary of State Frank LaRose states that under the proposal, Ohio citizens are barred from, quote, burdening, penalizing or prohibiting abortion before an unborn child is determined to be viable. The proposed amendment would allow Ohio citizens to prohibit an abortion after an unborn child is determined by a pregnant woman's treating physician to be viable. Now, Aaron, okay, that's not what the fucking that's not it's what not the ballot, what it that's said. Not what it does. That's not it's what it not does. What it does. And using the term unborn child, which doesn't appear in the amendment, introduces an ethical judgment at what stage of development a zygote, embryo or fetus becomes a child, which is outside the proposal scope. It's and also the proposal is meant to preserve miscarriage care and preserve access to contraception, which are things yep. that in states that have really draconian anti-abortion laws are actually endangered. Like we're seeing it happen in Texas. People are not able to access miscarriage care. And like also, fuck, I hate the phrase unborn child. I hate the phrase unborn child. Can it we is- call Secretary of State Frank LaRose an undead skeleton? Like, can we call him that? Is that okay? I mean, he's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't describe reality. It's a pregnancy. If a, if a pregnancy is an unborn child, then a human is an undead skeleton. And uh, that's stupid. That is very stupid. That's stupid. Um, so I, I think that the the abortion rights advocates are totally right to challenge the language because that is not what the amendment to the state constitution says. They're and subverting they, it, the will of the people. The people voted. They voted. Like, like, this is just what is so hypocritical about the GOP, Aaron. Like, there was an election. They tried to bury it in the middle, in the middle of fucking summer. And guess what? Voters still turned out en masse. So just fucking stop. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully this will Streisand effect uh, this yes. amendment into the Constitution because I don't think Ohio voters are stupid. I think Ohio no. voters are really annoyed by their state representatives and their state government trying to pull one over on them and treat them like they are stupid. I think they're that paying that attention. Part. They hate they, the GOP hates it because they're paying attention. Exactly, and and I think that they don't understand the power of the fuck you vote. And that's mm-hmm. like what happened in August in Ohio. It was like, it was a fuck you vote. And they're setting themselves up, the GOP, for another fuck you vote in November. So we'll see. We'll, we'll keep you up to speed on what happens there as well. All right. And on to Michigan. Wow, Alyssa, it's rare that I get to be the deliverer of the good news. Yeah. Take it away. I, like This week I get the good news. Big Gretch. 
It's showing the rest of the country how it's done. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer on Wednesday endorsed legislative measures seeking to undo current Michigan regulations on abortion. Now, the current regulations have – it's a waiting period, 24-hour waiting period. Mm-hmm. Um And it also requires a woman to attest she has received various educational materials and fetal development illustrations, um, which is pretty yuck. Like, women know what pregnancy is. We don't need a drawing. Do we? we, But is there any other medical procedure? We're given diagrams to go home and study before we can have the procedure? I mean, like, what if before you had a colonoscopy, you had to look at, like, a bunch of pictures of butts? Like, or, like, a bunch of pictures... Pictures of colonoscopies. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, medical procedures are disgusting. All of them. A whole smattering of them are absolutely fucking gross. Even, like, pimple popping is disgusting. Every medical procedure is gross. And I think most people going in to receive a medical procedure know what the medical procedure is. Like, it's the waiting periods and uh, informed consent laws are so... They're so ridiculously um, condescending. Mm-hmm. To That's the exact women. right word. And uh, yeah, it sucks. And Governor Whitmer is absolutely right to take a blowtorch to those things. Um, she wants also for everybody to be able to access abortion care, regardless of where they live, work, or what type of insurance they have. So she's really coming out swinging. She's coming out showing what can happen when you have a red state that has flipped blue, and we couldn't be prouder of her. We're big big Gretch has Gretch. some power, and she's taking it out for a spin. Mm-hmm. I suggest other governors do the same, and some really are. I gotta say, some are, some are. and she's leading the way. She is absolutely leading the way. Oh boy, one one final story um, in this kind of abortion bucket, if you will. Um, <laughs> Man, we found this in the in the New York Times on Wednesday. There's a piece that highlights some weaseliness on the part Weasel of Weasel is the only word for Just these weasels. Absolute weasels. A bunch of Republican Congresswomen who have vulnerable 2024 seats are pretending to care about women's health just enough to get reelected, but not enough to actually help anybody, a.k.a. the GOP sweet spot. Pretend to care enough to convince enough people to get you into office and then do nothing. The toothless, meaningless, hilariously titled legislation. Can I read it? Can you read it? Please, it's- let me read it. Okay. The Orally Taken Contraception Act of 2023, Aaron. Is that the one you're talking about? Is that the one oral. you're talking about? I mean, I know I sound like Beavis and or Butthead right now, but like Orally Taken Contraception Act of 2023 Sounds like a joke about blowjobs, but it is sponsored sponsored by Marionette Miller Meeks, which is the real name of a person who represents Iowa in the House of Representatives. She won her race in 2022 by six votes. Six. Oh, you think she's feeling a little little pinch? You think she's feeling nervous? She is shit scared about getting voted out in 2024. So basically, the bill doesn't do anything. It, it no. is, it is first of all, it spe- specifies oral contraceptives, which are not mm-hmm. as effective as, as other contraceptives. Lots of others. Like, yes. There's like longer term contraceptives too, like IUDs. Big fan of IUDs. They don't work for everybody, but if they do work for you, they're a great option. Um, Nuvering. NuvaRing, which is another great option uh, for a lot of people that shot the implant. There's all kinds of 
contraceptives that are more effective than oral contraception. But Republicans are trying to present being pro over-the-counter birth control pills is akin to supporting women's health. Now, Alyssa, do you think that this is like real? Like, does this help anybody? What I think, Erin, is that this is in response to a Pew poll that showed in states where abortion is now prohibited, 43% of voters say abortion access should be easier, up from 31% in 2019. These are some hypocritical bitches just being hypocritical. They're like, look over here. Look over here at the shiny object. Birth control, everybody. We're not awful. You are awful. You're absolutely awful. You're and absolutely You're awful. not helping anybody. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to – hang on one second. I wanted to read one excerpt from this because it's so egregious Philbin, <laughs> um, which is – my cutesy name for fucking evil. Republican women, the headline, Republican women fearing backlash on abortion pivot to birth control. Um, but the article in the New York Times, to its credit, um, has shown, really does a good job of highlighting the hypocrisy of the people who are supporting it. Joining Ms. Miller, this is from the article. Joining Ms. Miller Meeks on the legislation was Representative Jen Kiggins, Republican of Virginia, a top target of Democrats in next year's elections. Ms. Kiggins, a nurse practitioner, voted with her party in July to attach language to the annual defense policy bill that would reverse a Pentagon policy aimed at preserving access to abortion services for military personnel, regardless of where they're stationed, and has spent the weeks since emphasizing her advocacy for expanding access to contraception. In addition to co-sponsoring the birth control bill, Ms. Kiggins supported an amendment to the defense measure by Representative Veronica Escobar of Texas, a Democrat, to eliminate co-pays for contraception for military members and their families. That's good, right? But a lot of mm. these people are, like, Susan B. Anthony List is supporting this. Susan B. Anthony sus. List. Super sus. Um, and only two drug companies that, uh, only two drug companies exist that are actually actively trying to offer OTC birth control. One of them is already approved for over-the-counter sale without a prescription before the legislation. And the other one has already been applying to get over-the-counter approval from the FDA. So what this bill does is literally nothing. Nada. Literally nothing. Literally. So yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty stupid. Um, Alyssa, do you wanna do you wanna tee this one off? Well, Aaron, it's the end of August, almost Labor Day. School is starting up. In some places, the classroom has changed a bit since the last time students were there, and it's impacting them as well as education professionals. Aaron, in Indiana, Governor Holcomb signed a bill that does not allow grade schools to discuss anything about gender and sexuality until fourth grade. The bill also forces school faculty and staff to out students to their parents or guardians if they start going by a different name or using different pronouns at school. Erin. That's awful. What are they doing? What are they trying to accomplish? You know what? It's like, do you back, you know, when there were discussions about parental notification for abortions for women under 18? You know what? If someone has a good relationship with their parents, they're going to tell them. And if they're not going to tell them, there's probably a reason. And that's kind of how I feel about this. So why are they trying to uh, back young kids into a corner? Uh, it It's so 
It's so bad. And we have a story from one of our listeners, an assistant principal in a rural Indiana school district who has been impacted by this bill from our listener. I haven't experienced such a strong ethical moral dilemma since the beginning of my administration role 10 years ago. Due to Indiana House Bill 1608, I was directed to have conversations with my students. Although we aren't required to speak with students about the letters that will be coming to their mailboxes this week, informing parents their child has requested to go by a different name or use different pronouns, our school leadership knew this was the right thing to do. A district tasked with high poverty rates and questionable family units at their homes, I made sure my students would be safe. Out of the eight students I had conversations with, two shed tears. One asked to send the letter to one parent and not the other, and the other may at this moment be coming out to his parents. Aaron, this was a requested fuck that guy, and we are happy to do it. Aaron, do you want to do the honors? Yeah. Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb, who signed House Bill 1608, and Representative Michelle Davis, who authored the bill, fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. Uh, Representative Jake Teshka, Representative Chris Jeter, Representative Robert Heaton, uh, Senator Stacey Donato, Senator Jeff Rates. I'm going to call him Jeff Rates. Rats. And Senator Gary Byrne, fuck those fucking guys. You are endangering kids' lives. Also, I'm going to say, if you're a kid in Indiana, this is just a wild pitch. Can we I am Spartacus this? (laughs) Can we all decide, like, can the kids all tell their teachers as a a form of protest they're all going by different names and changing their pronouns? Um, I think that'd probably be a good way to to show solidarity to your trans classmates and also gum up the system uh, with a bunch of uh, administrative work and phone calls. I mean, who are they to to tell you? It's a K-pop tactic and we're into it. Yes. Come on. Be like the K-pop stands. Indiana students, and I am Spartacus, this ridiculous and awful legislation. Um, In California, California's Chino Valley School District is being sued by State Attorney General Rob Bonta because our state government, uh, for the most part, in many ways, is on the right side of this issue. Um, Chino Valley Unified School District adopted a policy similar to Indiana's, and Rob Bonta's like, no, bitch, you can't do that. (laughs) Please do not do that. That is that is awful. Bonta filed a lawsuit on Monday to stop that school district from outing trans students to their parents, arguing that doing that could uh, that does violate constitutional rights and could cause students mental, emotional, psychological, and potential physical harm. He's right. So hopefully uh, Bonta comes out on top of it. Chino Valley isn't the only uh, California school district that has tried to do something like this. Um, Religious conservatives have targeted the school board there in Mm. in order to try to, I don't know, like they're so concerned about messing with kids. Yeah. Like they cannot, they cannot fucking leave kids alone. And it is deeply creepy. So creepy. Deeply, deeply creepy. A lot of the people that are messing with school boards in these elections, by the way, don't have kids in the district. They're mm-hmm. just freelance, insane people. Yeah. It's 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 wild. Um, so hopefully Bonta prevails. We will keep you up to speed. Alyssa, a positive note. Let's end the news on a positive note. Aaron, here on Hysteria, we are so grateful for the teachers doing the hard work, the ones who support their kids unconditionally and do everything they can to empower their kids. Because of that, 
we wanted to plug Clear the List, an initiative dedicated to helping teachers get the school supplies on their Amazon wish list. They really, really need the stuff they're asking for, especially since schools and governments can only provide the teachers with so much. Please donate art supplies and books and all things. We'll include the link in our show notes. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have an interview with Shannon Watts. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria. I'm Erin. I'm with Alyssa. Let's get to our interview this week. While it's never under the best of circumstances, we are always thankful to have the insight and intelligence of our next guest on this podcast. She's a speaker and author, the founder of Moms Demand Action, and her fierceness in fighting for gun safety is endlessly inspiring. Shannon Watts, welcome to Hysteria. Thanks for having me. Uh, Shannon, so here we are again. Here you are again. Here we are again. And even in a country that sees mass shootings with regularity, there's been a recent and tragic uptick in them from Jacksonville to the universities of both North and South Carolina. Because shootings are so common, our cultural and political reaction is tepid at best. What's your reaction to this latest round of awful gun crimes? You know, it's not just this uptick in mass shootings, right? We know school shootings and mass shootings are around 1% of the gun violence in this country. The everyday gun violence that kills over 120 people in America, wounds over 200 more, mostly with handguns, it disproportionately impacts black and brown Americans. That's the gun violence that often doesn't make the headlines. It's the mass shootings that do. Um, And the other thing that we're seeing an uptick in is uh, hate crimes. And they're being carried out with guns. You know, I wrote a piece um, talking about white women coming to the gun violence prevention movement a week after a woman, a white woman who is an LGBTQ ally, was shot to death for hanging a pride flag outside a clothing store she owned. I wrote that piece one day before a radicalized white supremacist young man took a gun and shot and killed three black people who were just going about their day and trying to shop at a grocery store. So this is something I think that that really we need to talk about, right? It's not just the mass shootings. We have to care about all the gun violence that is happening in this country. Shannon, let's talk about your post um, that you put in your newsletter, Playing With Fire. You talk about the importance of white women's role in the gun safety movement. How historically have white women been in this fight and where should they be? You know, I, I went to Substack because I wanted to be able to talk about some of the things that I talk about in places like Twitter, but in long form. My Twitter feed is now just full of trolls and racists and extremists and misogynists and bigots. And so Substack has given me this this way to communicate ideas that I've been thinking about for over a decade. And to be clear, I am a white woman who came to this space because I was afraid my kids weren't safe in their school back in 2012 after the horrific Sandy Hook school shooting tragedy. And I was privileged and uneducated and living in a bubble that was formed in many ways by systemic racism. And so I've, I've had sort of a, a 
front row seat to what happens with white women and their political power after these shootings. And so often it is misguided. And I understand that. I have a, a, a true, I, I don't know if empathy is the right word, but I have an understanding of it. And I've learned a lot. And what I want to do is say to other white women, you can do this in a way that does no harm. We're glad you're finally here. It's so important. We need you in this fight, but not for the reasons you think. I think white women come to this fight and think, I, you know, that's sort of the savior complex, right? I'm here. I'm going to create a new organization where I live. I'm going to call for an assault weapons ban, and I'm going to do this with other white women. And I'm not saying all of that is cognizant or conscious, but that is what they often end up doing. And I've seen it again and again and again. And I think it is my role, and I know there are other Moms Demand Action volunteers who feel the same way, which is to say to these white women, think about the solutions you're proposing. Think about the people you're partnering with. Think about how you're coming into this space because you can make a real difference, not because you believe you can change the hearts and minds of extremist white men that you frankly voted into office in the first place. It's because you can use your political power for good and stand shoulder to shoulder with the black women who have been on the right side of this issue, who have been victims of this issue for so long. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned uh, having a lot of misogynist attacks in your mentions and on social media and in comments and in what, what, however they can communicate with you, they're communicating misogyny. And there is a link between misogyny and gun violence. You know, men are almost all of the mass shooters and men are almost all of the legislators that are not doing anything <laughs> about the mass shooting. How do we fix men? How do we fix them? <laughs> it's a very big and complicated question. Let's talk first about the men who are becoming gunmen. A lot of these men are being radicalized online and Again, this is an important role I think we play as white women. We are raising these men too often. We are not watching for the spaces they're in. We are not educating them about the bubbles they're being raised in. You know, I, I get really tired of hearing how lonely and disenfranchised young white men are. I have a, a 22 year old white son and he tells me all the time that he, he goes on YouTube. He's, you know, brought down into this rabbit hole of extremism and white supremacy um, and right wing rhetoric. As, as moms, we have to be watching out for that. And we have to make sure that we're supporting gun safety laws because every peer nation is home to troubled, racist young men. Only America gives them arsenals and ammunition. The other question you asked, I think, is, is an important one, which is about what about these lawmakers, over 80% of whom are men, and most of them are white men. This idea that we can somehow cajole extremists into supporting our viewpoints and our families and our communities I hope that has been put to bed by what we saw happen in Tennessee. All of these white women showed up because they were upset about a shooting at a conservative, affluent Christian school. 
What did the white male lawmakers do who were in charge? They forcibly dragged them out of committee hearings because they held up signs protesting their inaction. The patriarchy is coming for you, even if you are a white woman. And it is incumbent on us to stop thinking that simply cozying up to them or begging them or praying with them is going to make a change. The only thing, and I know this firsthand because I've been doing this work now for almost 11 years, the only thing that will change their hearts and minds is political pragmatism. They have to see people losing their jobs. Mm -hmm. If you want Republicans to be on the right side of this issue, they will only do it because they're afraid of the consequences of that. If you go back to the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act that passed at a federal level after the shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde, I never thought that would pass. But what happened? Mitch McConnell got polling that showed there would be consequences for Republicans in the midterm elections if they didn't support it. 15 Republicans voted for it. It wasn't because they saw photos of children's dead bodies. It wasn't because beautiful white women came to their offices and cried. It wasn't because they suddenly realized that their laws were killing kids. It was because they were afraid they would lose their jobs. And that is why white women have to be allies to black women, because the only way we vote them out of office is to use our collective voices and votes. Mm -hmm. So throw all the men out, basically. Throw the men out. <laughs> throw the men out of office. Women hold less than 25% of the 500,000 elected positions in this country. When you don't have a seat at the table, you are on the menu. Shannon, with every new shooting, we hear the GOP talk about mental health. Are there <laughs> any states with lax gun ownership criteria actually making meaningful strides to address the mental health crisis that they're talking about, or is this all just a bait and switch? Oh, it, there's a straw man every single time there's a shooting tragedy. If it's not mental illness, it is video games or divorce or SSRIs, um, too many exit doors, not enough exit doors. There's always a reason for a gun violence tragedy in this country for Republicans except the guns. As I mentioned, Peer nations have the same problems that we do, including mental illness, and yet we have a 25 times higher gun homicide rate. We know it is easy access to guns. The data shows us it's easy access to guns. And, and to your point, Republicans you know, point fingers at mental illness, and yet they're the same governors who are cutting their budgets for mental illness support. You know, Governor Ron DeSantis would not accept millions in federal dollars from the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act to bolster the state's red flag law. There are always red flags before the shooting tragedies, including this white supremacist who killed three black people last weekend. There are always red flags. So these laws need to be robust and they need to be implemented and they need to be incentivized. And yet Republicans are doing the opposite. Shannon, our podcast is a news source for some of our listeners. What tips do you have for people like us who want to cover gun violence, talk about it publicly? How do we do that consistently and productively? I think we have to make sure we're not just talking about it after mass shooting tragedies. I think that we have to encourage people to get involved and to understand that, especially as white women, we have an obligation to be activists. We cannot sit on the sidelines simply until we are afraid our own children or families are at risk. 
We have to find a piece of the work that we're passionate about. We have to take it on. You can join Moms Demand Action. There are plenty of groups in your area. Um, you know, something, as you can imagine, not all white women are super excited about my talking points on this issue. And they're saying things like, well, you know, we show up at the state house with such and such black women's organization. That's not enough. Don't ask black women to come to your events in your community. Go to theirs. Go to their rallies and marches. Sit with them in courthouses. Ask them what they need and then follow through. Um, I, I wrote robustly about this in my Substack and on uh, Playing With Fire. I hope people will read the whole thing. But I do think we should be talking about this and and not just after a mass shooting tragedy throughout the year. You know, policy will be made in November when we go to the polls. It's not made you know, after a mass shooting tragedy necessarily. So this is a year-long process. We need people to show up. We need them to stay engaged. And we need them to fight for the accurate and correct solutions. And that that's the last thing I'll say on this, which is, you know, after a mass shooting tragedy, a lot of white women call for an assault weapons ban. That's fine. Yes, we need an assault weapons ban. But that is not what is going to save the most amount of lives. That is not what is going to stop the handgun violence that is disproportionately impacting black and brown kids. So I would also just say to look at this holistically. Mm -hmm. Shannon Watts, thank you so much for joining us again. We wish it were under better circumstances. Listeners, you can read more of Shannon's words on uh, Playing With Fire, her substack, which we highly recommend everyone subscribe to. Thanks so much. We will take a break and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, I just like, I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. 
And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. <laughs> I refuse to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on a a couch nap. You know, you have, like, a, oh yeah. you've got, like, maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a, like, small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just, like, lay down for 20 minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is. Like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for plant moms and cat dads. 
and other types of moms and dads too. Um, but plant moms and cat dads, I feel like this is our spiritual home. Um, let's bring in our panel to start. I'm really excited about today's personal political conversation. Our first panelist is not only a new mom, made a whole person with her body, but also is a producer, speaker, and author known for her book, You Sound Like a White Girl, The Case for Rejecting Assimilation. You know her. You love her. It's Julissa Arce. Hello, Julissa. Hello. I really like this new introduction. <laughs> Thank you. Well, good. We'll keep it. We'll we'll change it a little bit so people aren't like, Aaron's using the same introduction for Julissa over and over. Because, um, no, I like to keep it fresh. How how old is little Rayita? She's four and a half months, oh. which I cannot, I cannot believe that I have survived four and a half months. Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy. And this conversation about plant moms just reminded me that I have to water my plant because that's been one sad thing that every other week I'm like, oh my God, my plants are dying. They're oh. a metaphor for what's happening to my life. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't watered oh my, my plants. <laughs> well, just, you know, you, you, you do it right after. I'll remind you at the end of the recording session. Thank you. Water your plants, Julissa. Um, our next panelist is a new guest to Hysteria. She's got the range. She's been a lawyer, a stay-at-home mom, and a stand-up comedian and viral star. I don't know if there's like a, a word for the, this other thing that she does, but she's viral and she's a star. You can watch her debut comedy special, One in a Billion, on Amazon Prime. Zarnagarg, welcome to Hysteria. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Namaste to all of you and to all your listeners and viewers. So excited to be here. Congrats on your comedy special. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. How was the experience of, of putting that whole thing together? You know, I have a habit of agreeing to things without thinking it through. <laughs> so when the offer first came to me, I was like, sure, it feels like a big TikTok. <laughs> you know, like at the point I was making a lot of TikToks and Instagram reels, I was like, how different can it be? It's very different when a company mm -hmm. that size decides to promote you. <laughs> it's very different. I found out the hard way that and it, a lot of pleasant surprises. And then, of course, it also led to my mother-in-law finding out that I'm out there trashing her. And so that was a little hairy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, your mother-in-law just hadn't seen any of your TikToks? Or? Well, I was like kind of keeping her on the down low. TikTok is banned in India, actually. Oh, okay. okay. So, And she lives in India. Thank God. Thank God for like, you know. The pandemic, like, put all the airplanes, like, you know, a lot of flying stopped and a lot of people stopped coming from India. I was happy. I was like, this is good for me. <laughs> Not to be selfish about it because that feels wrong. But, like, there were good things that came out of it for me personally. And uh, But she found out, you know, closer to Amazon promoting the thing all over the place and people going, is that your daughter-in-law? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you survived uh, yeah. here, so that's good. Congratulations. Um, I'm looking forward so much to watching it. Um, Zarna, I listened to an interview you did a while back, and one of the things that you kind of talk about is cultural expectations and pressures around motherhood and the providing care to children. Did those cultural pressures play a role in your initial decision to stay at home and look after your kids? Yeah, I mean, you know, I come from a world where you just stay home. You know, the vast majority of Indian women are home raising their kids for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which is that they don't, they don't, they're not empowered to have their own lives. 
So I have no judgment on it. I actually don't like that life. I, I was dying as a stay-at-home mother, really wanting to work. I mean, 16 years I was a stay-at-home mom and I really realized I'm not into it. <laughs> yeah. it, it took a while to figure it out so but it is a world that I come from it's what's expected also I couldn't figure out how to do it in America I'll be honest with you because a lot of like working moms when you see them in Hollywood it's very glamorous it's like Jessica Alba in like a little satin negligee like top and she's running and there's one kid under one arm and one kid under one arm and then she's flipping over a piece of lettuce for dinner like that, my life was so different. I was like Costco tubs, like big, big containers, everything exploding. So I couldn't figure it out. And, you know, I, I think it's part cultural, part just life in America, having very little to no support for women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember right after I had my daughter, uh, like once I got past the haze of like not sleeping at all and not even feeling like a person. I remember having that feeling too, where I was like, I don't know if I like this. Like I like her. She's pretty cute. I like her, but this is extremely fucking boring. This is so boring. I'm so exhausted. It's boring and exhausting at the same time. And, you know, Julissa, right now you are at a point. I remember when you said Rayita's four and a half months old, I just was transported back to that point in Juniper's life. And I remember how I felt. And I just, I would love to hear your thoughts on like the work of being home, providing care with a child. Like how are you like actually feeling? Do you like it? Mm. So this might surprise you. Um, I actually love it now. Like now that she's sleeping through the night. Okay, I'm see, like, that's that's the thing. The sleeping through the night this, thing makes the difference. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but what something that Sarna said about having no support for for women in America. So yesterday she had her four month well visit. You know, just like her, we went to go see the pediatrician, and I felt very proud that he was like, she's great. Like you guys are doing a great job. And I almost felt like I got an A on my report card, you know, like stamp of approval from the pediatrician. Like she's gaining weight and she's growing and her head is growing the right size. I was like, this is great. But then I asked him, you know, what, can we do something like sleep training? And he's like, well, she's already sleeping through the night. Like you're doing great. You don't need to change a thing. And I didn't say anything in the room, but as soon as we left, I just felt so frustrated and annoyed because I do need to change some things because while she is sleeping through the night and that's great, she still only takes contact naps, right? And for those that don't know, which I didn't know until I became a mom, that means every nap, I have to hold her for every nap, right? Like she's in my arms for every nap. As soon as I put her down in her little crib or bassinet, she'll wake up or she'll have a 20 minute nap instead of an hour and a half nap. And that really messes up our whole day if she has a short nap because then she's cranky. She's not on her normal schedule. And I thought, I do need to change something. So so the fact that there's this person who's supposed to have some authority over this, who should be giving me some recommendations, you know, based on her health and her weight, like what can I do to kind of get her to sleep in, not on me. And he's like, you don't need to change anything. 
And I'm sitting here thinking, I do need to change something because I do need to get back to work. As much as I love being with her now, and and I find it super entertaining. Like I love doing tummy time with her and showing her all sorts of things. And she's trying to grab things and put things in her mouth. And I love singing to her and reading books to her. I'm like, I did not know that I had these things in me, but I do. But the reality of it is I got to get back to work. Like I got to make money. And so for you to say, for the doctor to say, you don't need to change anything. I'm like, well, you're not hearing me because I kept telling him, I do need to change things because I got to get back to work. Yeah. Like if I didn't have to get back to work, you know, I'd continue to binge on suits while I'm carrying her and be happy about it. But, (laughs) you know, half the time I'm just worried thinking like, oh my God, when am I going to be able to get back to work? When am I going to be able to get back to work? Mm -hmm. I think the reality of work in America is, uh, and what's demanded of us and like what we're all capable, like most households don't have one earner who's capable of supporting Mm -hmm. a household that involves one child, much less multiple children. And so like the money thing becomes something that's on our minds. But I think as women, we get pulled in different directions because we're the ones expected to take care. It's our responsibility to figure out the care. And Alyssa, you don't have any kids, but we have talked about this on the show before. Like, you have parents that are getting older, and, you know, it's expected that when they get older, who's going to take care of them? How will you balance work and providing care for family members as you get older? Would you imagine a reality where you decided to step back from work or you had to because you're looking after your parents? You mean as the eldest daughter? Yes. <laughs> the eldest girl? The eldest um, girl. The eldest girl. No, I am fully, you know, not only not only am I the eldest girl, but I am I live near my parents. And so, you know, look, here's how I feel. I'm in a position where I think if I had to, I would step back because look, they did for me and I will do for them. And, you know, they never let anything get in the way of taking care of me. And so if I'm lucky, I am lucky if I had to stop working to take care of them, um, I I could absolutely do that. And I know my husband would be supportive of it. But let me tell you, and my sister listens to this podcast, so (laughs) she'll laugh. But when my pop had to be in the hospital for a while, I went down, visit him every day, took my mom to visit him. And when I picked him up to take him home, do you think there was like Alyssa, love you so much. It was more like, why are you going this way home? (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you, I am anticipating uh, and hoping to cherish the time I have with my parents as they age. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, and I think that that is a reality a lot of us face is like whether we're providing care for children or providing care for elderly family members or a spouse or whatever, we're the caregivers. And, you know, we, before my daughter was born, um, we had sort of, my husband got a full-time job like right after she was born. We ha- we were both kind of working this like freelancer schedule, which actually made stuff really hard because we both would kind of like fight over who got to work. It's like, you had her last. No, it's your turn. Now he's like working full-time. So his schedule is a lot more set. And me still having like a freelancer schedule, I'm kind of on the days that we don't have childcare, I'm like, I am the childcare. And mm-hmm. there's a part of me that's like, I feel pulled between work and looking after her because I can't, you can't do both at the same time. That is like a ridiculous fiction. You can't work and look after a kid. Mm -mm. Um, And there's a part of me that's like, would my life be simpler if I just either worked full time or 
looked after her full-time because I feel pulled in two directions and it feels really impossible. Zarna, you're nodding. Did you experience like a similar pull or how did the conversation go before you decided to leave the workforce? Um, exactly the questions that you're asking. If you feel like you're not doing justice to either role sometimes when you're a half here, a half there, and and it's the the mental energy of switching on and off and on and off constantly and i decided i was like i will lose my sanity i was actually really afraid for my sanity when my daughter was little i was all alone we have no family in new york and i just had to talk to my husband i was like i don't even know how financially we're going to make this happen but we just have to whatever will have to go will have to go because otherwise i'm going to lose my mind entirely and i don't know what's going to happen um so i think this is a decision that a lot of women have to make and and it's really unfortunate because it ends up being the women who end up making this decision mm-hmm. the guys don't feel that kind of pull not in my experience at least and definitely not culturally in the indian community Mhm. And so when you when you finally when you took the step and you're like, "All right, I'm done lawyering. Yeah. I'm home." Yeah. yeah. How did it feel at first? And like did you immediately realize like, "Mm, not super big fan of this?" Or No, I actually loved being a hands-on full-time mom for a long time. I was like, "You know what? I'm committing to this and I'm going to do the best that I can at this." But it goes from being a good mom and an attentive mom to being hyper vigilant, helicoptering. Like you have all this energy like right as an adult thinking feeling person. You have all this energy, you have all this creative space going on, and now you're employing all that energy into like you make sure you kick that ball when it comes to you. Like <laughs> you know, I had become that scary mom on the soccer field and the scary mom at the chess game. Like how come you didn't win? And I, my husband is like, "What has happened to you?" <laughs> and I had to reflect. I was like, "What am I doing? It's all this extra energy that has nowhere to go positive. That that has no adult interaction. And it is bo- like I will tell you, I think what motherhood is in America is like this weird thing because." even a topic like breastfeeding which should not even be controversial at all do it don't do it who cares right mm-hmm. but it becomes a thing people get judged for it. and a lot of times i hear people here say who oh, you know in the in the third world countries women are breastfeeding till the, the kid is 4 and i'm like i don't know i come from a pretty poor country the women are not breastfeeding they're working they're not working it's it's not about that you do it you don't do it. but i think the threshold of motherhood and how good you have to be in every aspect of motherhood is so high here that it that any sane person's going to lose their mind mm-hmm. that was the other thing i was like i'm going to lose my mind cuz i can't compete in another bake off at school like <laughs> do you know what i mean like there you suddenly competing you're making like 10 shape cookies and what like oh i just, it was not for me <laughs> so much to look forward to yeah <laughs> well julissa you were talking about really wanting to get back to work and like you're a writer and you kind of have a similar like schedule like a hustle like me mm-hmm. you know we we both have to just kind of yeah. figure out how we earn our money we put it together the way we put it together like how are you preparing to return back to work it sounds like you're really excited to get back writing again yes and no um but i just i just wanted to say one quick thing about what we're talking about um sort of like 
the man and like the 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 partner, the husband and the 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 other person in our lives, like how they might have this like set schedule. You know, I have a similar situation with my husband, mm. right? He has a, a like a more traditional full-time job. Like I remember for our second date, I was like, oh, you want to have lunch at noon? And he's like, um, well, I kind of, I'm at work at noon on a Wednesday. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I forgot people have normal yeah. jobs. Um, so, and, and so there is this sort of like expectation, right? It was sort of unsaid, never really talked about it. It was sort of understood that when the, come, the, the time came, he was going to return to his five day a week job. And I'm the one who even when we have childcare, when I do go back to work, I'm going to be on a reduced schedule, right? Similar to you, Erin, we're going to have care for three days a week. And those two days a week, I'm going to be full-time mom. And the, and I'm going to have to do five days worth of work in three days mm-hmm. when we have childcare. And it's like, to me, it seems so unfair. And it takes a lot of, for, for us, it has taken a lot of me just being able to voice that unfairness and say, I know it's not your fault, I don't want to resent you for it, but I need you to acknowledge that this is unfair. Mm-hmm. I, I need you to say to me, I understand that this is unfair. Because if he didn't say that to me and he didn't acknowledge that, I think I would feel resentful, even if that's what makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. like we, it doesn't make sense for him to quit his job because, you know, I can't handle uh, our, all of our finances just on me, right? And so... Um, Anyways, I just wanted to, to say that because I think for me, that's what has worked is just to be able to say and acknowledge it so that I can sort of be okay with it. You know, I know that it's unfair and he knows it's unfair, but it is what it is, unfortunately, for a lot of us. Um, I am really excited to get back to writing. And I also am very scared to get back to writing because unlike other careers, writing is so much about thinking and having the space and the time to think and the space and the time to do nothing, but know that that nothingness is what's translating onto the page in a few days or in a couple of weeks. You know, a lot of the way that I write is I think and I think and I think and I and I write in my mind before I actually sit down at a keyboard to dump everything that's on my mind onto the keyboard. And I think right now, because I am so limited on time, you know, it's like, if I took a shower, it's a win. Like, do I, my, my choices right now are between do I eat lunch or do I take a shower, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when you ha- are that time con- constrained, I'm very scared that how could I possibly have the freedom to have that time to be creative and to think to then be able to write. So I, I'm, as much as I'm looking forward to it, I'm also really afraid, um, I think our big test is coming because I have I have a few events for Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, you know, side note, people can hire Latinos to speak any other time of the year. Just <laughs> FYI for everybody out there. It is not, I am not, oh, only, I cannot only, down, you know, I can speak outside of September 15th or October 15th. <laughs> Writing that um, one down. Got it, but got if it, you got need it. me, I have a few dates available. Just throwing it out there. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I have events. We're going to travel. Fernando is taking his second part of his paternity leave during that time and the baby and him are coming with me and we'll see how it goes. Oh man. Pray for us. Alyssa, I I wanted to talk to you about your experience as like a supervisor at, you know, at Vice and when you were working in the White House. How often did you have conversations with women who were kind of struggling with the ability to balance motherhood and 
work? And like, did you ever, did, did you have to, to make like particular considerations for these people? How did you make work more hospitable to them? Well, that's kind of part of the problem in this country. If you don't have mandatory paid family leave and you don't have companies with um, with policies in place, it's patchwork. You know, it's patchwork at best. And it's if there isn't a protocol within the company, within the government, anywhere, then it is literally what you're doing is you're trying to make something right for someone. Like, here is how we can help you balance your return to work. Here's what will happen while you're gone from work. But then inevitably, there's also a shit rolls downhill to it all where there are other people, because there isn't a system in place, because there isn't money or resources to bring in when someone has perhaps gone from their job for four or five months, um, then it's like you're asking other people to pitch in. Like none of it is correct or fair. Um, and I will also say lots of times that falls on the child-free women because they're like, listen, what else do you have going on? You yeah, have all right. the time on earth. You have cats. Right. You can stay late. Um, and so that's <laughs> why I think it's so important. You know, every I'd say that most of the things that I – helped people deal with were in a patchwork way, you know, because in this country, it's just, it's really, it's really unfair uh, how we ask people to have families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone's freaking out about the birth rate and they're like, geez, why aren't people giving, having more kids? I don't know. Cause we can't fucking afford them because they're right. like, because there is no consideration for the fact that we might need some accommodations in our careers in order to continue working. Like it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, Zarna, you talked about like when you first left the workforce, you were talking about leaving the workforce, you were like, I don't know how we're going to do this financially. Can you kind of like, like walk us through how you handled losing your salary? How um, did you do it? <laughs> I mean, it, it was, it's not fun. I, I mean, it, it, this, this is, there's no fun answer here. There was no lottery win. There, there was like real serious lifestyle changes. And a lot of it was heavy labor that I had to deal with. There was no one to help with anything. There was no going out. There was no eating out. There was no, I mean, look, and it's not all in hindsight and even like now looking at the family as it evolved now, a lot of good came out of those years too. Like my husband and I really got in the habit of just walking in New York City for fun. Like we just walk every day. It's the thing we do together is we walk and we really learned to enjoy that. Like we became the couple that never went on vacation for a long time because we couldn't afford it. And then it it became that we never craved it. Like it really became that it's not part of our life. Mm -hmm. So we're one of those, the few families that stays in New York throughout because we have to work. He has to work. And now that I'm working, I have to, even now with three kids, the only way I'm working is I'm really, really working all the time. But we learn to embrace all the things that we had to let go of. We literally sat down. We were like, we cannot do any of these things. And that's okay. I think, I think the time that was hardest for us was when our kid, the first one was little and we were kind of trying to hire a sitter because like, let's go get a Broadway show. And then kind of trying to do like, we should have a little bit of the, like, 
You know, my pediatrician, I remember once telling me, she's like, the kids don't sleep, right? In the beginning years, they sleep, they don't sleep. And they catch a cold, they're not sleeping again. Like, you know, it's very erratic. And she was like, the kid's not going to sleep. I don't know what to say to you. You need to train yourself. <laughs> and, and even though that was a sad message, and Julissa, I like, I understand that we just talked about this. The one part of what she said that resonated with me was that this is now your new life. And if you create a life that is structured to reflect your new reality, you will be happier for it, whatever that new restructuring is. And that's the message I took back. And we really, my kids to this day, I have three kids, I have a kid in college. None of my kids have ever been to summer camp. Oh we just God. could never afford it. It is so expensive. Those things are so expensive. But because we ag agreed and accepted early on that this is not going to be part of our life, there was no fighting over it. We mm -hmm. tried to remove all the friction around the things we let go and really embrace and love the things that that were going to be a part of it. The, you know, it's it's not all like it's not all sad. Like the evolution is really spectacular. Right? There is a reason we all end up having kids. Listen, I come to this podcast only to talk about the sad parts. If people want to hear the good parts, go follow me on Instagram. <laughs> um, so, Zarna, how did you, like, when did you decide it was time to go back to work? It seems like it sort of organically just started, it became obvious that you could make money just being funny. Um, so, like, I did didn't that... know that. I'm oh, okay. Indian, so we don't believe in fun at all. <laughs> my whole life people told me I was funny and I was like what do you do with that in fact I remember my parents looking like devastated because they're like we didn't get the doctor we didn't get the accountant we didn't get the engineer we got the funny one like, <laughs> what do you do with this you know so I my youngest was starting kindergarten full-time and I was like I this has got to be the time when I find something, a way back into the real world for myself. And I was really struggling with what to do. I had written a screenplay. I'm a self-taught screenwriter that ended up winning, winning the top comedy uh, screenwriter award. And, and no one wanted to read it. Not because th there was no meanness around it. I was not part of the filmmaking ecosystem. So why is anybody going to read anything I've written? It felt like a fluke. You know, everybody was very nice, but it felt, so I was really struggling. I was like, how do I get my voice out there? What do I do? And my kids were like, mom, just become a stand-up comedian. And I was like, that's not a thing. And they're like, that's a thing in America. That's a thing. And my kids, this generation, like you have to explain to them. I'm like, no, I need a job that pays money. <laughs> and they're like, yes, comedy pays money. You can tell jokes for money. I was like, no, you can't, you know. <laughs> it's also the mom bias, right? When your kid says something, you're like, no, you're not right. There's no way that's right. <laughs> so, but they on a dare made me go and try out an open mic. And that that led to the whole journey back. Oh my God. What do your kids think about your comedy now? Are they like bragging about you to their friends? And like, how's that going? Well, you know, their friends, their teacher, everybody like follows me on TikTok or Instagram or something. And the, they love it. The kids, look, I yell at all the kids, not just my kids. Anybody comes to my house. If somebody is like, I'm going to be an English major, I'm like, no, 
No, we're going to download the CPA application form right now. <laughs> You're going to do something STEM or, you know, so they love it. And of course, I get in trouble too, because I make fun of a lot of things that go on in schools in America. And then all the teachers and principals follow me and all that. <laughs> you know, your kids are young. The, 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 the reading log is a thing in America where you have to like, every kid has to fill out like what they read for 20 minutes. And they sign it and the parents sign it. It's all supposed to be very official, even though everybody knows that the whole thing is a lie. <laughs> and it, it goes on for years and years. So I get in trouble for all kinds of things for spilling those kinds of truths. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Zarna, thank you so much for joining us for this part of the conversation. Julissa, Alyssa, stick around. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. you can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. In case you're looking for ways to listen to more of me, then you're in luck. I am guest host on the Pod Save America episode out today. My buddy Dan Pfeiffer and I spoke to Senator Maisie Hirono to hear about the recovery efforts underway after the devastating fires in Maui. To listen to that conversation, head over to the Pod Save America feed wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for the pettiest bitch you know, which is you or me. <laughs> Probably you, but that's okay. We're all petty. Okay, let's get to Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. I'm going to go first. Um, I feel petty about uh, Luis Rubiales, the head of the <laughs> Soccer Federation in Spain. We mm. talked about him last week. We talked about him planting a non-consensual kiss on the lips of Jenny Hermoso, who had literally just won the World Cup. Like, athlete at the top of her game, winning the biggest prize there is, and this fucking asshole kissing her and then lying about kissing her without her consent. Anyway, the thing I feel petty about is Luis's mom. I don't know if you guys saw this. Okay. His mom 
went on a goddamn hunger strike to I did see this. The yes. fact that Luis Rubiales was fired. He was he was banned by FIFA um, and, and he's barred from participating in soccer anymore after there was like massive protests. And we actually have a listener shout out in a, in a few minutes and I'll get to, to more on that in a second. But there was like, you know, big protests. People were like, get this fucking guy out of here. Jenny Hermosa like did not back down. She was like, this was not consensual. I am not going to pretend that this is okay. Anyway, got fired and his mom is in a church having a hunger strike now. And I feel like as soon as I read that article about this crazy bitch having a hunger strike about her son, who was wrong? Who was what? She's going to a church to do this. She's going to a church to do this. Um, I get why he is the way he is. I get it. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, your mom, you were just set up to be a guy that kissed women on the lips without their consent with a mother who forget, who like excuses you by going on a hunger strike. You mean I think just, a mother who's acting like he's being detained by North Korea right now? <laughs> yeah, he's not even. I know she's having prison. tapas on the side. When I was seriously, I mean, have it like one plate is like barely eating. It still counts as a hunger strike if you just have one <laughs> order of tapas. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm feeling petty about this week. Uh, Alyssa, I want to hear what you're feeling petty about this week. I don't know if this is Sani or petty, but okay. can we just all rejoice that the idol has been canceled? Ooh. I, okay, as. One of my many jobs, I run a production company, and every time I see a television show that gets greenlit, I'm like, how'd that happen? What's that going to be about? How is that? And I was obsessed with watching The Idol because it was expensive. It had all these celebrities, like, and it was one of the absolute worst shows I have ever watched. <laughs> the show had amazing talent. Jane Adams, Hank Azaria, like, Divine Joy Randolph should have had 10 times as many lines as they Hari gave Neff. her. Hari Neff. Hari Neff. There were so many people and they made the absolute worst use of almost all of them. And I was like, if this show after that absolutely fucking absurd final episode gets renewed, I don't think I can work in this industry anymore. This is outrageous. But it got canceled. So I can keep being employed for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> My I never thing. watched The Idol. Oh, oh, thank crazy? God. Julissa, after the first episode, I knew I should stop, but I just couldn't stop. I had to see where it was going. And every episode was just slightly more deranged than the one before it. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, it's not because of what people said, like, oh, it was like all sexy time between, you know, Lily Rose Depp and The Weeknd. I didn't care about that. It was the absurdity <laughs> Of every episode. It was not the nudity. It was the absurdity. Uh, Julissa, Sanity Corner, or I Feel Petty? So my Sanity Corner is Suits. And I know everybody's talking about how, you know, everybody's binging it and blah, blah, blah. I think, you know, I probably started watching it like the moment that it got on Netflix. And as I sort of briefly mentioned earlier, it's a thing that I watch when I'm holding Raita for her naps. And, you know, I just set up my little iPhone and I put on an AirPod and I press play on Suits. And, you know, it, I, I forget sometimes that I've been holding her for an hour and a half because I'm just like so into the episode. And like, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, you know, and it's getting more and more ridiculous as the season. I'm on season eight now, the final season. And Mike Ross, who was like one of the main characters, who's kind of the whole show is based around his story, is not even on the show in season eight. And neither is Meghan Markle on season eight anymore but it is the show that is it's just like it's perfect it's you know there's no stress about it it's not like 
it's not like I'm when I finish watching it, I'm still thinking about the show, mm-hmm. but it's just perfect for that one hour where you just want to forget where it is you are. You know, you just you just want to get like immersed in this world and like you're rooting for different people. And I'm like Harvey Specter, like he's he's a saint for all you know, for from my perspective, he's great. He's the best character written ever. Well, okay, I'm going a little too far, but <laughs> it is like it is the best show because it's not. I don't know if it was critically acclaimed when it came out. I don't know if it won any awards, you know, but it is a perfect show for anybody that just wants to be entertained. If you just want to be entertained, Suits is a show for you to watch. I feel that way about Sister Wives. I think it's like, like 20 seasons time. or however long. It's just, just I just put, put it on. You're never going to run out of content. I started watching Ever. 90 Day Fiance for that purpose. And then yeah. they kept adding more and more 90 Day Fiance. And I'm like, I'm never going to catch up with 90 Day Fiance content. I can't watch this much television. It's too much. Okay, Zarna, you get to be the anchor leg of this Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. So what's it going to be? Sanity or Petty? Oh, I have to go with Petty. I'm sorry. It's like, it's where my mind is right now. We, I just launched a family podcast, which is a podcast with me and my whole family. And we talk about topics that are taboo in our culture. And now I'm finding out in a lot of cultures. And, you know, I do all the work. You guys run a podcast. It's a lot of work running a podcast. It's a lot. There's production, there's script. Like, what are you going to talk about? Then there's the editing, there's all of that, right? My family just shows up. I tell them, show up here and we're going to record. Okay, fine. They do it. They're lovely. They're so accommodating. You know, they're a support mom, whatever, right? Now, after a few episodes are out, for no good reason, my husband is the star. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody watches every episode. Damn those husbands. Your husband is so hilarious. I mean, no, he's not. No, he's not allowed to be hilarious. There's one comic in the family. That's me. (laughs) I wrote the whole thing. Are you kidding me? I grind hard to put this thing out there so that it's out on time and you could. And like, really, his one quote from The Godfather that he even bungled. (laughs) He didn't even get the quote right. It's four words. He got it wrong. And you're going to be like, oh my God, that's hilarious. It's like, I don't know what it is. Like, the threshold for a guy to be good is so low. (laughs) Meanwhile, a woman could like, I could climb a mountain, cure cancer. I could do like 10 things. Like, you know, I I would be on the space shuttle, take a trip around the moon, the whole thing. They're going to be like, yeah, but she didn't breastfeed long enough. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure like when your husband goes out in public by himself with the kids when they were little, I'm sure he got father of the year best dad best dad in the world <laughs> i can't even can i just do we have one more minute for me to put an anecdote in because it's just happy it's his birthday today my husband's birthday okay my oh. kids wrote him a note each kid wrote him i made them but they wrote a note nevertheless so the note was there when he woke up my son like thank you so much dad you're the best dad you work so hard all true okay and then he goes and, you know, I knew you were the best dad because that one time when I slapped my friend Sanjay, you supported me. <laughs> <laughs> I took all the heat of the world when that happened. The school called me. I had to go in and apologize and take the kid and apologize. And behind my back, it's my husband out being the good cop. He said, oh, mom's already doing all of that. Let me just tell you, you were right. 
I couldn't believe I read, read the note. I'm like, thank you for supporting me. I'm like, what? I mean, the slap was totally warranted. There's a whole backstory to it. But, but that's not the point. The point is that we were supposed to sit like this two seven-year-olds got into a uh, kerfuffle, kerskuffle. How do you say it? it you know. <laughs> but he even took that opportunity to be the good cop and like left me out to dry with all the hard lifting of parenting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's so funny um well that's all the time we have for this week's episode of hysteria before we go though we're gonna do this new thing called a listener shout out we love our listeners we think you guys are the best and you send us really nice notes and you leave us really nice reviews and send us great emails and comments and everything. And so we're going to highlight a couple of those really nice things that we got from listeners today. I want to take a second to highlight a DM that I got on Twitter slash X or whatever it's called mm -hmm. um, from Ella, who's a listener in Spain, who went to a protest of uh, Spanish uh, soccer Federation president Luis Rubiales in Spain mm -hmm. and brought a sign that said, let women run shit and carried it at the protest, repping hysteria. And a photo of that sign was posted on the El País, which is a, a Spanish newspaper Twitter account, which is very, very cool. So thanks for repping hysteria. Thanks, Ella. In España, we love you and uh, keep repping. Alyssa, do you have a listener comment you want to highlight? Aaron, I've got a comment from Robin. Robin says, ladies, thank you so much for your great energy and informative podcasts. I realized today that you two have turned me into a potty mouth. <laughs> we love this. I don't swear a lot, but since I found your podcast, I use the F word way more often and I really enjoy doing it. I'm in my mid-60s and don't give a crap what people think anymore. Thank goodness this is so much fun. Robin, oh, I love it. girl, thank you. Yes, Robin, thank you. And a uh, lot of emoji usage sprinkled. Excellent that emoji usage. Very illust illustrative. Illustrative? Very illustrative. Whatever. All the above. <laughs> okay, that's all the time we have. Uh, Zarna Garg, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun. Julissa Arce, thank you for joining. Alyssa Master Monaco, my ride or die. Thanks to Shannon Watts for stopping by for our interview. And listeners, we love you. If you want to get in touch, hysteria at crooked.com. You can also find us on the socials. Uh, Instagram is probably the easiest way to get in touch with me now that I have abandoned the dumpster fire that is yes. slash Boo. X. We're off for Labor Day next week, but we'll be back on September the 14th. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events. Every day, you decide who you're dressing up as in your shirt, your jacket, your shoes. You're crafting a message to the world. 
And sometimes clothing's meaning can be surprising. Articles of Interest is a podcast about what we wear. It's a fashion podcast for people who are passionate about clothes and for people who think they don't care about clothes at all. Every other week, host Avery Truffleman reveals the wild stories hiding in your closet. Why do baby clothes have pockets? How did latex become taboo to wear? Can we actually know the labor conditions of garment factories? Is there such a thing as fashion separate from capitalism? Dress smarter. Get articles of interest on your favorite podcast app. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.